podcasting from the Allen Media Worldwide Headquarters Studios high atop the Two Turtle Creek Tower. This is Deconstructing Dallas. I am your host, Ryan Trimble. Looking out across our Fairburg, Dallas, Texas, uh, here with my outstanding, fantastic, knowledgeable co-host, Sean Williams. Sean, good day, sir. Ryan, what is up? Good day to you. We are really starting to get in the groove. This is like the fourth week in a row that we have successfully, well, as of about, you know, when we get it up on on the web, but successfully produced a podcast. That's something that's and, worth being excited about. And hats off to you, sir. You have uh, done yeoman's work getting this thing together and uh, basically self-teaching yourself how to produce. So my hat's off to you. Well... Um, you'll have a chance to make it up in some sort of way, so I'm not going to go too far with that. But thank you. Well, maybe I can uh, drive you to the polls. I like since it. Since it is early voting. I like it. We need to get out there and participate. That's right. Do your civic duty. This is a, a PSA from all of us here at Deconstructing Dallas. Please go vote. It is really important to the future of our democracy that you get involved. We had Fred Gray here in our studio, well, on our podcast to talk about, you know, protecting the rights of folks in Selma who were just protesting for the ability to vote. And so we should not take that for granted because some people have fought and literally from the beginning of this nation have died just so that we could do that. Absolutely. So please get out there and vote. And uh, one of the reasons I think people vote is because of really important issues and how our elected leaders uh, handle important issues, one of those issues being transportation. And that's why I'm really excited about today's episode, Sean. And uh, you got to sit down with one of our local elected leaders. Yeah, you said me. And we'll get to talk about why I will be the only voice that is heard on this interview. But coming up today, it is exciting to talk to one of our good friends, District 10 Council Member and also chair of the Public Safety Committee here in Dallas, Adam McGue. You know, it was a great interview, and I enjoyed spending time with my friend Adam, but you were nowhere to be found. Well, I can't say you were nowhere to be found because you were literally across the hall from us. Literally right next door to you, Sean. Um, I was was with our outstanding client, Microsoft. Uh, We were with the new president of, uh, relatively new, uh, Kate Johnson, who's the now president of Microsoft US. And she was in town, and so we were meeting and greeting around town and uh, thought I was going to be able to make it literally... 20 feet from the room I was I know, in. The scheduling to- <laughs> could not have been any better since we were right. right. I mean, I Location could have wise. thrown one of our squishy balls that we hold while we're podcasting across the hall and probably hit you with it. But hey, that's the yeah. way it works sometimes. But but here we are. And I know that uh, it was a, it was a, an outstanding interview. And, and our, our big thanks to Councilman Magoo. We got to talk to you got to talk to Councilman Magoo, Chairman Magoo, about the 630 East project, a project that uh, uh, seems to have garnered a lot of attention here locally uh, in the you know past few weeks. Yeah, and I, I saw the first discussions about the project online. I saw Twitter posts about LBJ East, and really they were really heated, as you said, and I had no idea what people were talking about. And so I went and, of course, did some of the trademark research and did digging that we do here at Allen Media and, and realize that the I-635 East project involves the the rebuild, the expansion of 635 from 
I-70 for Central Expressway, 75, over to I-30. And it's a part of town that you are familiar with. Yeah, a uh, point of personal privilege, Mr. Speaker. This project affects me directly, so I am very interested in seeing this thing go through. I absolutely used to dread driving on 635, but now that 635 is done, at least between Interstate I-35 and uh, North Central Expressway. Yeah, kind of the west. The the double-decker, yeah, the western portion is the the northern top that goes across the the top of the Metroplex. I used to dread going on there. Now, I love it. And I'll tell you what, we have one of our our great uh, Walmart Supercenter locations right there at Midway and LBJ. Love that store. Go shop at Walmart, by the way. Uh, But we've had events there early in the mornings, and without those managed lanes, I would have missed these events, Sean. I did not go to that part of our region intentionally for years. I mean, just the thought of of having to go on 635 was just something, as a Southern Dallas resident, was just didn't seem like any fun to me. But since those expressed, those told express lanes have opened, it is a totally different feel. It's a totally different time commitment. I've gone downtown and go across the north and maybe yeah. pop off and catch, catch something over Valley View area. You can do that without dreading it, which I think is what we want out of a transportation system. That's right, and I've, I've thought for a long time, uh, ever since my time working in the legislature, that the real issue facing Texas is managing our growth, and transportation is absolutely one of those those areas we need to manage. And to finish my point of personal privilege, this I dread going on 635 East, especially when I'm trying to get home to see uh, Mrs. Trimble and the kiddo, um, because if I get past 75 during rush hour, thing grinds down to a halt. And so I would like options, and I'm, I'm opining here, and I should let, uh, you know, I guess I should keep my opinions to myself, but hey, it's our podcast. It so is our to, podcast, share and, this, my thoughts. This, and this directly affects you, and so I think that makes you the kind of person that needs to yeah. speak out about this. And when you talk about participating in the process, you know, there are folks like yourself who live in the area, and I know Councilmember McGee will be talking about how he had a meeting, an open meeting where people could come out and voice their concerns, get their questions answered, and that's what it's about. When you have a question or when you uh, want to know more information, you can go out, talk to your council member, talk to your state representative, talk to your state senator, because they do listen, and usually the people who are organized, the people who have great points to make when they're talking with them, that's who they try to take their cues from. Well, I appreciate you uh, getting this done. This is a really important issue um, for me, selfishly, and for our city. So uh, let's jump right in, Sean. And uh, after the break, we will uh, go to our interview with Council Member Dallas City Council Member Adam McGue. This is Deconstructing Dallas. Ryan Trimble, Sean Williams. We'll see you here in just a sec. Deconstructing Dallas, and as promised, 
We are here to talk about 635E and with a subject matter expert here at Dallas City Hall, I am excited to talk to a friend of the show. He is council member Adam McGue, who is also the chairman of the Public Safety Committee. And But this is a transportation topic, so I guess that's cool, right? It works. So thank you for talking to us on De- Deconstructing Dallas, and thanks for uh, giving us a little bit of your time. Absolutely. Any, anything for you, Sean. Now, I mean, we are in a place, I mean, we both worked in the mayor's office at one point in time. Now, I have to take a point of personal privilege. Like, what is it like to, to go from being in the mayor's office kind of staff to now you are on the council, you're seeing, you're not seeing necessarily a different part, but you're working in a different way. Like, what's that been for you? You know, I tell you one of the biggest differences is I thought once I left the mayor's office that I would be able to control my own schedule. <laughs> and I thought that'd be helpful. Um, but the truth of it is I've lost control of my schedule more than I even had when I was following Rawlings around. I know you know what that's like, yep, too. Absolutely. So, um, yeah, it's, it's just a it's a constant grind. Um, you know, I have to I have to remind myself that this is something I get to do. Absolutely. It's not something I have to do. And I, it's, it's a huge honor to to serve and to represent constituents. And that's really why, you know, this this whole battle about 635 has kind of come up because it's what it's what the people I represent want. And and so I found myself just jumping in the middle of it. And you, you called me a subject matter expert. And I, I would say I, I am that now. It's not <laughs> something I necessarily wanted to be, but I have I've become so at least to the, to the best of my ability. Now, in January, I believe you went to Austin. You talked to the Texas Transportation Commission and you gave them some feedback. So what did you hear while you were in Austin for those of us who, who may have just seen media reports? Like, what, what did you see while you were there regarding 635 East? Well, so the what, what brought us to Austin was first, we had this project, which even defining the project is, is somewhat complicated. But essentially, um, the project is the expansion of LBJ from 75 all the way down to Interstate 30. It includes... Um, Two two big projects. It includes the Skillman Bridge interchange, which is the most dangerous intersection in our entire region by almost double the amount of accidents at any other intersection in the entire city. And is that is that like on the exit ramp there they, at Skillman? As I understand, it, they include everything basically off of six thirty five. So as soon as you're, it, it's kind of a spaghetti of yep, streets right. as you cross Audelia and it turns into. Um, Skillman and, and leads up to Forest and Aldelia, and it's just a it's just a disaster up mm-hmm. there. And so um, we've, in addition to everything else, every month we're averaging between one point five and two deaths, and at that stretch of the highway, including the Skillman interchange. Over and how so, much of a period? Over every, almost every thirty days. Wow. And so, additionally, this is we can talk about it more later, but also every thirty days of delay is a five million dollar impact to taxpayers as it relates to the cost. And of this project moving forward. And so those are just two of the, the reasons why it be, has become so important. Um, but this project was a done deal. Mm-hmm. Now, we have had several iterations of this over the last really 17 to 20 years is how long this project's been in the making. And in fact, we have some of our some of our constituents from the community right there that have been involved from day one in this, and that's a pretty big ask for some of the folks. And I always mention her name, Susan Morgan, if you're listening. She's our she's our champion behind okay. this one, and um, she's been pushing for this from the beginning. One of those that went and spoke with us in Austin the first time, and um, as of going into the December meeting, the project was environmentally cleared, funding was allocated completely. 
Um, it was, you know, not totally designed, but pretty close to being designed. Had been pulled into a project where it would be a design-build project, and um, it included additional free travel lanes while they're mm-hmm. tax-funded, but free lanes on each side. So a total of five lanes going in each direction. Which currently is it four? It's currently four. Um, it included continuous frontage roads, which are huge for that area because right now we have no relief outlets for when there are all the accidents and travel. But it also opens up a huge opportunity for economic development. We've got a dart station up there. We've got 29.6 um, acres of vacant land. We have as this Gilman Bridge clears up, it opens up another several acres of developable land. It just becomes a huge opportunity around transit, around a busy intersection and a central location to our whole region. And so the continuous frontage roads are huge. And it includes the the plan includes two going each direction, optional tolled express lanes. And that's where we get into the big issue. And that's where you're that's where the is that where the pushback is on the the toll lanes or the optional toll lanes? It is. And so the main reason is we have some of our state elected officials that have run on a anti-toll road platform. And it gets a little into the semantics, but even if you if you look at Prop One and Prop Seven, which passed, um, you know, over seventy percent across the state, that was basically taking money that was really kind of misallocated and put it back into transportation because the the state is unwilling to change the gas tax, and so we are um, looking at different options and ways to fund different projects. And so taking that, those optional told express lanes is what helps fund this, this project. And it includes um, now the interchange down to Interstate 30 as well. Mm-hmm. And it, it had optional toll lanes the entire length. Now, the original project was environmentally cleared, fully funded, shovel-ready, basically. We had a be about an eight- to nine-month process of procurement that, again, was supposed to be voted on in December. And so by, you know... September, October, we'd be we'd be procured, we'd be ready to roll and start construction first quarter. And the way it was originally um, put forward, it'd be a little less than a four-year construction period, and which is which is good. I mean, we everybody was excited, everybody got part of what they needed out of it. But that whole discussion of is it a toll road or an optional toll express lane? Even in the Prop One and Prop Seven, it said, "All right, we're going to use this money that's coming in now for transportation projects." And they added on at the end a phrase that said, but none of it would be used for toll roads. Got it. Um, Well, what has happened now in the politics of the season is that has been described now as any project containing anything that has a tolling component, which is just not right. I mean, LBJ has never been concepted, at least to my knowledge, and there's no plan to turn LBJ into a toll road, meaning you don't have the option. Now, there's an express on the west part, right? There's a, is it a tolled express lane? Is that the right verb? It is, it is basically the same thing we're asking for here. It is an optional tolled express lane, which you don't ever have to take it. It's not right. required. Right. You can travel the free lanes. And that's what, you know, one of the big knocks, or at least one of the arguments that, that we've heard in this is, look, you're creating what they call Lexus lanes or lanes that are, that are more expensive so only people with means get to travel on them. And I can see that argument, but the truth of it is once you put the express lane on, the free lanes 
and this is average across the data, show that they go from an average speed of 30 miles per hour to 55 miles per hour. Is that specifically for LBJ? That's LBJ Express. Mm-hmm. And they, like, there's other studies mm-hmm. that have similar mm-hmm. shown um, evidence. But, you know, so that's an advantage for everybody. First of all, now, are the, did the lanes, you know, cost more? Did the optional lanes at some times? Yes. And that's a concern. And we want to make sure we take care of that concern. Um, but the truth of it is the people that are coming to me and talking to me about it are not the wealthy. It's mm-hmm. people that are saying, look, I'm an electrician. If I can get there quicker and pay $3 to do so, I get a whole nother, um, we get more business out of it. Mm-hmm. It's people that are, are dealing with this for quality of life issues. Yes, I'm working over off Luna Road. I'm trying to get, get home to my kids and trying to get home to the, the family. And, you know, if it's another dollar fifty to do so, then I, it's worth it to me it's, to have that time. It's, it's my own personal story, which when I stood up to talk to the Transportation Commission, I said, look, before I talk to you as a council member, I want to talk to you as a dad and a, fa- a father of a son who plays soccer at the Dallas Texans Development Academy. And he has practice, you know, four or five days a week at Luna Road in 635. Right. It takes me as long and my wife mainly as long to get to our house through and to the express lanes as it does to get all the way from where we enter the express lanes on LBJ Express all the way to Luna Road to the soccer practice. And that's less than a mile for us. So mm-hmm. it's just a it's just a no brainer in this issue. One of the first places I saw you talk about this was on social media. And it wasn't too long after that that I saw you mention that you were going to have a meeting. And I guess the group is now, you can tell me, it's LBJ now, a group of concerned citizens who are very vocal about this issue. So can you talk about LBJ now and can you talk about um, how that meeting went that, that you had? Absolutely. So, you know, when you start having a discussion like this, you start asking, you know, who's for it? Who's against it? Who has issues with the toll lanes? Who doesn't? And I started having a real problem because everybody I asked was in support of the toll express lanes, the optional lanes. As long as they're optional, they're supporting. And these are some people that, look, we know about toll roads, right? I had a whole election that was part of a litmus test was, do you support the toll road down in the Trinity? And I was one of those that did not support that toll road. And, and we know the difference between toll road and optional toll lanes. And a lot of the people that are they were coming out were saying, look, we want this option. We want the freedom. And so it started by just some parents, some um, local advocates saying, look, we got to do something. Because when they voted, when the Texas Transportation Commission voted in December to kill not just ours, but the three largest projects in the state Mm -hmm. and another 15 that included some degree of tolling, they said, look, we can't we can't wait. We can't wait. We're losing so much money. We're losing time. We're losing quality of life, economic development opportunities. We've got to do something. And so it's always funny in the small meetings that we have because people are coming in. Oh, wait, I got to go pick my daughter up. And then I got right. I mean, it is as grassroots as it gets. And they started a, even a little um, Twitter. And in about three and a half weeks, they got up. Now it's over 80,000 oh, wow. um, touches on. I mean, it's, it's a big issue. And so. Um, watching these everybody come together and be on the same page and just say we've got to talk with one voice and that's really what has grown into this LBJ now movement and we know that we're that people are hearing it and listening and um, so we went down talked in Austin I think all the people that went and spoke did a good job of just being you know just telling how it impact it's having on their lives and it's like uh, one of your colleagues Mr. Kleinman was also there as well yes okay so it was really the first trip to Austin was really two components first it was the RTC 
we don't not a lot of people know about the regional transportation commission mm-hmm. but the rtc is who essentially takes the federal funding that comes from the the feds and then works on with the mpo metropolitan planning organization and has 44 elected officials from all over the region all the different counties county judges um, city elected officials all over and this has been a project that has been unanimously supported for years now. Mm-hmm. And so there's a group that went down from the RTC from all over the region, and they spoke first. And they talked about how, first, it was a big accomplishment to get our project because the other projects that got canceled didn't get back on the agenda. Okay. So our 635 project, due to it being the most you know important project in the region and a lot of other reasons, got on the agenda. So we all thought that we had at least the option to go ahead and start the procurement, that that was all worked out. And we had a number of people from the RTC that went and spoke. Lee Kleinman has done a, a great job advocating for transportation projects in the region, and certainly this one being the top toppies there. And he did a good job advocating for it. But RTC had their discussion. And then my job was really, okay, from the community perspective, what's happening and who mm-hmm. do we support that? And, and that's where you know, a number of folks went and spoke, just did a really good job making that, making that point. So you also asked me about the meeting. So that led to a further discussion after that meeting. And as soon as we started the meeting, Chairman Bug said, all right, it's back on the agenda, but we're not going to take any action. And so that was really kind of a shock to all of us because we really thought that that was going to start and the procurement was going to start and we'd get going from there. But taking no action, we get back and then people just started reaching out to us. What happened? What's going on? What's the issue here? And so we saw the need to just say, look, let's just have an open town hall meeting, invite anybody and everybody, come out, we'll tell you what's happening, give the best background we can, and then say, all right, here's how you get engaged. And so at the same time, we were getting a lot of feedback that our state officials, both governor, lieutenant governor, um, some of the senators that had been not supportive of toll projects were were listening and engaging, and, and, and at least we were hoping we're going to start taking some action. And so we did. We hosted the meeting. We had, at, any, at a point in time, we counted about 250, but there were some that came and went. So it was about 300 showed up for the meeting. And um, I opened it and then turned it over to... Susan Morgan, who'd been involved in this a long time, Kathy Stewart, who is the executive director of the public improvement districts in the in the area that go right across 635, and Mark Holmes, who's a president of the White Rock Valley Neighborhood Association, but also past president of the Exchange Club, and just engaged in a number of different ways. And they just told the story of what's happening here, what's been going on. And then we opened it up and said, oh, I had a question. Michael Morris from the, mm-hmm. um, from the COG, Council of Governments and the RTC, came and spoke and he he wasn't given any presentation we just said can you just catch us up on where we are as right at this moment because what has happened is we've now had to take funding because the optional tolls are you know in or out of this project so it's gone from 800 there's 800 million that's allocated am i right about that well in a, in a 1.8 billion dollar project the numbers move around a little okay. bit mm-hmm. because they think there's some savings in the okay. design okay. build part of it but there's right now there's 653 million dollars that is unfunded without the toll express lanes and you know there's some other numbers involved i can show you the breakdown but um, that money would be coming from other projects in the region and they pick projects from Kaufman, Rowlett, and one in the northern areas. And those projects um, would essentially either have to find funding from another way or would not happen anytime soon. And even with that money put in this deal, it, it, our project then, the 635 project, becomes phased, where they want to build it from the outside in. And when you do that, you start. it takes 
more time now. Now we're not talking about a four-year construction. We're talking about six, eight, ten. In fact, I was talking to one of the senators. He said, look, we're going to have three legislation, legislative sessions to work this out. And I said, no, sir. I mean, that's the problem. We don't have ten years to, to let this sit there. A developer I was speaking with said, look, if you say this is going to be phased out over that amount of time, it's a death sentence for economic development in this area. We're just not going to come here. We're, with the uncertainty and everything else, it's just not going to happen. And so that becomes a big, big frustration of this. And so had the meeting, had a great turnout, good involvement. I was thankful. One of the, the folks that uh, one of our senators that has been um, carrying the anti-toll road banner is Senator Bob Hall. And he showed up at the meeting, which I appreciated his courage and in, in facing that group. And, you know, we I assume there'd be a, a, quite a bit of the anti-toll um, group there. And so a lot of the questions were directed at why would anybody stop this? I don't understand. And so at one point in time, I just said, you know, Senator Hall, do you want to comment? And he, he spoke and um, I appreciated it. And he was interrupted by one one gentleman who said, I didn't know if he was going to be confrontational or not, but he was very respectful. But he just said, look, I run a small business and the express lanes right now that are heading west are saving my business. And he talked about the impact mm-hmm. on everything. And he said, we just want the same thing mm-hmm. heading east. I mean, mm-hmm. that's just the need. And, and um, so after he spoke, I said, well, let me just get an idea. Let's just have a show of hands in the room. I said, all right, how many of you are here? And after hearing where we are right now, how many of you support the project with optional toll express lanes? And it was like everybody raised their hand. I was a little bit surprised. So I said, all right, I can't really tell because it looked like everybody raised mm-hmm. their hand. And so I said, let me ask the other question. How many of you are opposed to this project if it includes optional toll express lanes? And three people raised their hand. Out of about how many? I mean, think? you're close to 300. Okay. And so I was shocked. And I said, I said, hold on. And I mean, we took pictures and that kind of thing because it was just, I've not had an issue. I mean, we don't have that kind of support for police and fire, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I've, I've had town hall meetings where we're talking about whether we, you know, have the Forest Green Library or things like that. And there's, it's not that level of mm-hmm. support. Just, it was really shocking. But it also, that proved what I've been hearing from constituent after constituent of who was supportive of this project. And it's, there's just no doubt in the world that our our community and the people most directly involved in this project want the the project done first of all need all the components to it but one of those is the optional toll express lanes i guess the last thing is uh what's next you know again you said it was not no action taken at the last uh, meeting so what what's next for for 635 east so we're continuing to advocate um for what the community wants we went down again last Thursday to the Transportation Commission. It wasn't on the agenda, so we spoke at the open open mic time. And, again, different group of people went down, but I'm just so encouraged by um, the way the community is showing up. And, you know, they had to get up at 4 o'clock in the morning, drive down to Austin, wait through all the agenda, and then stand up and, and have their voice heard. And they did an amazing job. Very strong. I encourage anybody to go out and hear their comments because it was really impactful. And so we're going to keep advocating. And um, I have a a meeting scheduled, and I'm trying to schedule more with the senators to try to um, see if we can convince them that this is the right thing. And, you know, we'll just keep we'll just keep at it. I think, you know, the primaries are coming up. It's political season. I think depending upon how some of the races go, there might be some um, either new blood or dealing with the same blood to figure out what's what's going to happen there. And then I think shortly after that, we'll have another discussion with the state leadership, governor's office, lieutenant governor, and um, then see if we're going to get this back on the agenda and what it looks like when it gets there. 
Well, we are going to continue to follow this. Thanks for kind of opening us on it because we've, we've been talking about this in the, in the office. And uh, maybe down the road, we can talk about some progress or, you know, something different as it relates to this issue. And maybe you might even come on again and talk about something else. That know? sounds good to me. I, I think we're going to get it done. Um, it's just not knowing where the funds are going to be, the timeline, and uh, what the end of the project looks like. We're going we're gonna to keep pushing for it. Well, we will be following you. We will be following this project. We want to thank you for coming on Deconstructing Dallas. We are going to take a quick break, and we will be back to wrap up right after this. back deconstructing dallas and uh what a great interview sean hats off to you again our thanks to councilman adam magoo for coming on and for his uh leadership on the 635 east project on a separate note um, good luck to our other client uh smu and the mustangs finishing out their home schedule tonight ben amelagu playing his final game in uh red and blue so congrats to y'all and uh hope for a big win tonight against houston well you have been listening to deconstructing dallas and allen media production i am sean williams you can follow me on twitter at sean p williams s-h-a-w-n-p williams my co-host ryan trimble follow him on twitter at r trimble 15 join us next week we are going to jump lightly into the guns rights issues that are talking that people are talking about around the country uh, we got some great guests to talk about that next week we want to thank mary woodley jennifer pascal thank you to council member adam mcgue and his assistant brendan blair this is deconstructing dallas adios